Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Hi, I'm Kim Salmon. I'd like to have a quick word about uh, public radio, particularly 3CR. The thing about public radio is that it's more open than the more formatted types of radio to what's going on around it. So when you listen to it, you're more likely to hear a reflection of real life. And 3CR being in the heart of Smith Street, Collingwood, is a particularly good example of what I'm talking about. If you'd like to uh, subscribe... The number is 94198377. You've been listening to the same. You could never understand. Feel the fortune flowing. You know it isn't stuck. Push on a pedal, get ya. Heart started, push on a pedal, push it down and up again. Get on your bike, sit on the seat, push your feet on the pedal, and ride it all around, ride it all around. Get on your bike, sit on the seat, push your feet on the pedal, and ride it all around, ride it all around. And yes, as Faith just faithfully reminded me a second ago, we deliberately make one mistake on this show every time. He neither drank, smoked, nor rode a bicycle. He died early, surrounded by greedy relatives. It was a great lesson to me. It comes from John Marymore, early 20th century. I'm talking about the ability of a bicycle to bring joy and happiness and be surrounded by friends. Bring the cadence down. Slow that heart rate down. Step away from the bicycle. You're listening to the Yarrabug radio show here on 3CR. If you're in the kitchen listening to the tranny or on the web or you're podcasting this, it's a quite warmish day in Melbourne, a little bit of a northwesterly blowing, a little bit uncomfortable on the bike, but still, you're there. We're going to talk a few things through today. Good morning, Faith. Good morning, Val. And we're going to talk about Everesting, climbing, mental toughness with Anna and Kaz. Good morning. Good morning. Hello. Good morning. Why don't we start the show off so we can relax a little bit with the bike moment. Faith, lead the way. Um, my bike moment was this morning on the way here. Oh, and on the bike path, someone rode past me going in the other direction, waving and going, hey, Faith, you're going the wrong way. <laughs> and <laughs> they were very cheerful and bright, and I'm sure I know them, but just in, in the moment and with their helmet and that, I have no idea who it was. So I spent the rest of the ride trying to work it out, and I still haven't. Kaz. <laughs> <laughs> Um, mine isn't quite a, a funny moment, but but rather more a, a I don't know an inspiring one. Um, I was at the Swanya Feminine, the first ever women's Swanya trip over the weekend, and um, I got to sit in the car and take photos, which was great. Um, and just seeing all the ladies overcoming things that 
I've had to overcome before and being able to help them through it was it was good it was good to see that from the other perspective so that's that's mine you might have discovered the coach in yourself <laughs> yeah maybe <laughs> <laughs> that's an important role <laughs> Anna um, mine was on the weekend. My local bike shop, Peak Cycles, hosted their monthly women's ride. So we had about a dozen girls riding out the hills of Hurstbridge and Kangaroo Ground. We had a, a wonderful morning. The sun was shining, so couldn't ask for a better day. Perfect. And everyone got through the ride? Everyone got through the ride. We threw in some extra challenges in there. We did a little handicap along the way, so it was fun. It's really What's good. What's a handicap? So essentially... We got a couple of girls and everyone's sort of at a varying, I guess, level when they're out on the road. So to even it up a little bit, there was this segment called Flat Rock Road. It's quite rolly and there's some pinchy hills in there. So we all started at different times with the aim that we all finish at the same time. So oh, everyone good. got a workout. It's kind of hunting each other down along the way. It was great. <laughs> uh, uh. Um my bike moment, um, people remember two weeks ago when I mentioned riding up along the Scotchman's Creek Trail, um, uh, a bike that I rode as a commuter for a long time, a little Rally 20, which had small wheels, some people call them twitchy, I used to call it responsive, found it virtually impossible ever to ride no hands. My daughter didn't have possession of the bike, so we rode up to Oakley, halfway along the trail, Claire sang out to me, hey, look at this, and there she was behind me, rode for the next 150 metres, hands in the air, dancing. She said to me, I've got better balance than you. That's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> and I accepted that. A <laughs> uh, bit happening in bicycle world this week. Let's go through the track championships in Paris. Yes, lots of exciting news from there. Um and just the highlights has to be, you know, Anna Mears has just overnight um, won her 11th world title, this time in the Kirin. Um, and 11 world titles is also a record for uh, women. So that's uh, very impressive. I was wondering, because um, 11, she, Anna has 26 world track title medals all together, which is now more than Chris Hoy so I was wondering if maybe she'd get a dame hood uh, from our friend in Canberra. She got eighteen months. <laughs> Could come through. Got a, um, what's an omni? An omnium. Yes. Yeah, sorry. Yes. Um, I should know this coming from a, a track side of things, uh, but I've only competed in one omnium, um, and it wasn't exactly official. Uh, it was a very unofficial event run by a little. Um, a little thing called fix.org uh, and yeah it's, it's basically just a, a series of events and if you win them all overall then like it's, it's separate events about four or so but just shorter than they would be normally so if you win the, the series overall you've won an Omnium I think that's it so I may would, be completely wrong yeah so they would have a pursuit and they'd have something else in them and you'd compete in four or five different yeah, like cycling a, events a and race point and winner and points and yes yeah and the women's pursuit team won gold, didn't they? I think. Yes, yes. 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 And so. Annette Edmondson won the Omnium. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so doing very well, the uh, women over in Paris. Uh, is there a particular reason why we're very good at track racing? Oh, 
Maybe because our roads aren't awesome. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but it, it is um, something that goes back a long way. Oh, no, Australia's performance asking. in track yeah. racing. It's, uh, and, and maybe because it used to be that every suburb actually had a velodrome. Every country maybe, town had a velodrome. Maybe that was unusual. Uh, uh, um, yeah. Anyway, it's, it seems to keep going over and over again. We seem to be able to produce... Great track riders. And the uh, these championships were unusual because some of the bikes were fitted with cameras to oh. give a very unique view of the race. So I don't know where you would find that footage online, but I'm sure it's there somewhere if you uh, Google and hunt through some of the sites with the uh, World Championship news. Oh. You'll, you'll find that. Uh, we must have a look. Now, interesting. You're off. Um, uh, I was just thinking, talking about racing, um, there's an article in The Age, it's been a, a point of discussion over the last week or so about um, people competing with each other on Strava, but doing so on shared bike paths, and uh, they claim clocking speeds of up to 60 kilometres on a path that's shared by bike riders and pedestrians. And Bicycle Victoria are approaching Strava, or have done, to ask them not to include segments on bike paths to uh, try and deter people from racing on them. Mm. I'm not sure whether wiping out Strava will stop people competing against each other. Well, I was was on Strava at the very start of Strava, um, and... And I was riding bikes before the start of Strava, and people were always the same on bike paths. They go quickly. It's more an interesting slant, the journalism, more than anything else. It is, I mean, it's quite a common trade, but the issue actually now <clears> raises a, a much more important issue shared paths. Shared, shared paths. And um, there's a quote from Ben Rossiter from Victoria Walks about. Um, for the most. 39% of the elderly found shared trails an impediment to walking, which struck me as about the same proportion of people who say they won't ride a bike if they have to ride on the road. So mm. it is that thing about who you're sharing the space with and, yeah. you know, the countries that get high volume um, where bike mode as a transport mode is high, um, uh, don't expect pedestrians and bike riders to share paths. No, it's completely foreign. Yeah. And it's interesting. I mean, this might be a glib comment. Some people ride their bikes like they used to ride their cars. <laughs> you know, they have this sort of yeah. mentality that actually I'm on the tra- I'm on the path. I'm going the quickest and the fastest and the most visible. I own it, which is... It takes away that whole idea of the shared path. And the other thing in Australia is our bike riders are still skewed. A large proportion of people, even who are using bikes as transport, come into bike riding because they're interested in it as a sport. Mm. Um, Whereas in countries like the Netherlands, where the majority of people who are riding are doing it purely as transport and have no interest in sport, so they dampen down any of the more reckless riders. Like when you get on a bike path and it's full of three-year-olds and mums and dads going to do their shopping and that, then the temptation to uh, go fast is uh, sort of a bit less. And if I'm living in Oakley and I'm riding the Gardner's Creek Trail every morning, this is the best way for me to get to work in the city. On it's not a bike path; it's a shared path. 
that there's no reason why I shouldn't be able to do that 15 kilometres ride as quick as I can. Obviously, I should be on the road if I'm approaching warp speed, but what's happened is the whole path has become colonised for one thing. It's become a bike path. Mm. It hasn't become a shared path. And the Netherlands, sometimes I reckon I get confused. The Netherlands probably have an average commute of about three or four kilometres. The commute's up long, but here in Australia we've got people who are riding... 50, 60, 70 minutes, that's their commute to work. But that's because we have that large section yeah. of the population who are, are the people who are riding three kilometres in the Netherlands aren't riding in Australia. They, no. they still no. have people no. who do, there is the odd yeah. person doing 50 you know, minute no. commutes. But it's the same as here. It's 1% no. of the population. Yeah. And you, you don't see or notice them because they're drowned out by everyone else. No else. I'm not sticking up for anybody here. My greatest thing is I've seen my local walking track along the Yarra who elderly people used to walk their dogs on leads, vision-impaired people used to walk. There was always a high volume of foot traffic that has virtually disappeared. Yeah. People don't walk it. It's actually driven people off the path, and that's, a, that's what's happened. Well, yeah. We need, uh, and in the same way that cars, as they became more dominant on roads, drove cyclists off the roads. Mm. So I think we, uh, yeah, we need to look at infrastructure would certainly uh, fix that. Fix that. <laughs> now we're going to go to a little dinsat. When we come back, we'll be talking about how do you suffer on a bike. <laughs> 3CR programs provide information and analysis you won't hear in the mainstream. Today we'll be looking at the legacy of the US war on Vietnam on Laos. And as far as corporate capitalism is concerned, it is the worst political and economic system that you can have. Our laws about jailing refugees and asylum seekers are so well crafted. Sex is not irrelevant and we like who we are, but we don't have to be imprisoned by our gender. Become a subscriber today. Call us on 9419 8377 or visit 3cr.org.au. 3CR, the voice of dissent. And you're back with the Yarrabug Bicycle Show here on 3CR. Now, Mount Everest, the tallest mountain in the world. Yes. 8,000. 8,848 metres. I know the number too well. <laughs> there you go. Now, the new sport in the cycling world is Everesting. That is climbing those 8,848 elevation gain. Originally, I couldn't work out where this came from originally. Then I discovered that George Mallory, the grandson of George Mallory, who died on Everest, his first he set out to do the big ride, ride the 7,400 metres where his grandfather was body was found so that's where it came from yes. now everybody wants everest well actually he did it in honor of his grandfather now everybody else is doing it in honor of the highest mountain yeah and he he did it on mount donabuang which is yes. uh, also where recently we had the first mass everesting with 25 women <clears throat> attempting to achieve 8848 meters on mount donabuang but Kaz, maybe first you could fill us in a little bit because after George Mallory did his personal Everesting, how did it become 
this huge phenomena. Um, I can't say that. Well, <laughs> it's your mistake. <laughs> <laughs> um, as far as I'm aware, uh, there was a guy that decided for some reason to ride um, the one in 20 to the same amount of elevation. Um, and it was just mad at the time. It popped up on Strava and everyone was linking to it. And they're like, what is this guy doing? Um, it ended up being, I think, close to 400 Ks, just up and down the one in 20. Um, some insane amount of repeats. And he got, speaking of Strava, yeah, um, <laughs> he got so many kudos about it and so many comments just going, what were you thinking? And I think, I think perhaps that's when Hell's 500... Uh, came across it and it kind of lay dormant for a while um, and then each year Hell's 500 do an epic um, which is just some silly ride and they usually do it as a group and this year apparently too many people were interested oh sorry last year too many people were interested last year year before I don't even know how long and so he he brought up this idea of, of doing an Everest, thinking that it would be such a hard task and that only a select group would be able to complete it. And suddenly it went mad and and one Everest happened, another Everest happened, and then it kind of just snowballed and there were ones happening overseas and people were hearing about it through Strava, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, and, yeah, it was just happening everywhere and... and it's an amazing thing because it's it was something that was so insane to begin with and it's become almost normal to talk about now. <laughs> Out of your mouth. <laughs> so, Anna, give us a description of doing it. Um, it. It's not like I imagined it would be. I think when I first heard about Everesting, I thought it was crazy and still think it's crazy. Um, and I was really afraid. I had signed up to do it and then I, I tried to pull the pin and then I was back on board again and um, sort of went into it not planning on finishing. I expected maybe 5,000 metres. That would be pretty cool because I'd ridden Donna once before. I'd never even done it twice or let alone eight and a half times. So um, it, it was just different on the day though. I guess once you start riding and you've got all these other girls around you cheering you on, I guess not finishing didn't really become that much of an option and you kind of just pushed each other and just kept going it was it was just business and I think the second lap was started to get tough and at that point I was like oh this is going to be really hard I don't know how I'm going to finish it <laughs> but then the third fourth fifth and sixth lap felt exactly the same and once you get to I guess 7,000 meters you realize you're pretty much there so you may as well keep going. So how many laps of Donna Buang is does it take for, for the listeners at home? Yeah, eight, eight and a half, eight and or a half. just under eight and a half laps. Consecutively, without stopping. Yeah, so yeah. The, the idea is that you climb the equivalent height of Mount Everest by going up and down Mount Donabawang without stopping. So, um, You all started at midnight, and yes. it was a very hot weekend, wasn't it? It was 25 degrees at midnight or something. Yeah, I think yes. we were really lucky, though, because it was so warm. It meant it wasn't too cold at the top, but that's what I was most yeah. worried about because... Donna can be awful. Donna can be really, really chilly. Um, and the variation between the top and the bottom is quite different. So I think we were lucky because it was so warm. It meant that, you know, we weren't having to lug yeah, just kilos of clothing of, up and yeah. down with us as well. And I guess with Everest, like, 
um, arresting. You you hear as we've heard. <clears throat> <clears throat> excuse me, um, about people doing it. It does seem to be a little bit of a the lone wolf thing. It, it's the man versus the mountain. It's very often a man. And uh, the mountain is often a, a mental challenge as much as a, a physical one. Uh, so this was quite different because you you weren't necessarily all riding together, but there was a big social element to it. Is yes. that... True. Yeah, well, there was, um, but it's still definitely very much a solo thing, because even like the first lap, you're kind of kind of getting into it, and I think everyone had a great first lap. But then the second one, you kind of start by yourself, or at least I did, and it becomes very lonely, especially in the dark, no sounds, um, and you don't want anyone coming up and really talking to you because you're. You're in your own thoughts and you've still got so far to go and I don't know, it's still it's still a very solo thing while being a group thing. I think the group thing, well, the group thing was definitely what made me even consider doing it. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's still against that mountain. Yeah. For me, it was probably a little bit different because I, I was on my own, but I, I didn't want to be on my own. And I was encouraging my friends and family to come along and distract me from what was going yeah. on because I knew that if I if I was alone too much, I would think about what I was doing and then I'd probably <laughs> try to pull the pin. So I made a point of making sure I had someone with me on every single lap and I really didn't ride on my own at all, which was amazing because it meant that these people who were there, they could also answer the questions and I found that was the hardest part because there are a lot of people who came out to support us, which was amazing. Health 500 did a great job to get people there. But it also meant that these strangers who I've never ridden with before were asking me how you're going and and at that point you don't really want to answer (laughs) so I had my mates ask answering all the questions for me like that (laughs) it was really good and where did the so a big support crowd as well I'm interested in that that rehydration you've got to keep eating all day and that so that's all friends by the side of the road or different spots down up and down the mountain yeah, we were fairly self-sufficient, I think. Everyone brought along their own gear. Yeah. Um, so in terms of nutrition and water and things like that, we kind of looked after ourselves. I think the support was more moral. Yeah. For Hells, Hells 500 did set up an amazing setup. Um, they, they had a, a whole little housing area at the bottom that they'd kind of hired out for the event and um, they had massage people in there and they had they had toilets and stuff set up so there was an area for everyone which was great but yeah everyone did kind of bring their own food and look after themselves to a degree but with support if that makes sense mm. yeah. <laughs> and how many days to recover <laughs> I think it took me a good part of the week. I uh, I woke up, so I pretty much fell asleep the second I got home, woke up at 4, ravenous, so it was raiding the fridge at 4.30am, which was a first. Um, and then I think all week I was tired and hungry. <laughs> um, and so what time did you finish? Um, I finished it just after 9pm, so that was, yep. what, 21 hours, 21 hours. Mm. since we started. And I think it was just over 18 hours in the saddle, which is crazy. 
And and did you have a moment where you thought, I'm not going to finish this? Yeah, I did. I definitely <laughs> did. So I'd, um, I was just onto my final lap of the eight and a half and it was about 5, 000, sorry, 8,000 metres in and I wasn't going to finish. I, I, was, I, I was cooked. I think mentally I was completely um, overwhelmed. I, I was feeling dizzy and just awful. Um, but I don't know. I had some of the girls around me telling me to keep my head up and I had my um, my husband and my business partner was there too feeding me lollies and somehow I, I decided I could do it and, and once yeah, once I decided I think I did that last half lap quicker than any of my laps that I'd done all day. It was, yeah, I, I learned something about myself today and, and yeah, about the power of, um, yeah, mind over matter and just kind of owning owning your own thoughts in your body. So there's uh, an awareness of mental capacities that Absolutely. you didn't think you had before. Mm. Is that Does that go on to be something? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> and because you weren't able to finish. I was not. But did you have that same experience of feeling you've discovered something about yourself? Well, I was the same as Anna. In I was going into it not believing really that I, I was able to even get close to finishing and I thought 5,000 metres would be amazing as well. I kind of went, oh, yeah, that's that's a good number. Yeah. But I wasn't even trying to get there. I just said to myself, because I didn't want to stress out, I hadn't trained, I hadn't I hadn't done anything. I, I'd just ridden my bike a bit. I'd been unwell, I'd hurt my knee. It was just, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't good I going I mean, you still it. rode an incredible, it was six laps of... Yeah, so six yeah. and a half thousand yeah. metres, which yeah. is just stupid to even think about. Um, Would you do it again? At the time when I was doing it, I thought there's no way. Um, but now it's kind of like, well, I know what I did wrong. I, I, yeah. could, I could fix some things. Um, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> now everyone's heard that. And <laughs> You're on. <laughs> I would, uh, the next big one will be, what's the uh, trench in the Marae and The trench, trench yes. It's over 14,000 metres deep, so that should be uh, the next one, I think. Don't give anyone yes. any ideas. Yeah. <laughs> well, some of the ladies decided um, that they were doing 10,000 metres on, on uh, the that's, day. That's true. Several uh, of the riders kept going. Yeah, so they reached... To achieve the 10,000. Over 10,000, yeah. which is just, just incredible. And if you do want to... Um, find out some more about it there's a good write-up of it on the cycling tips ella site Mm -hmm. um and googling everesting and uh the hashtags in search of up girls get rad will also bring up lots of uh good material about the weekend and if you're looking for something to do in the next couple of weeks there's a full moon ride coming up march the 6th sorry come mulla mulla Creek crisis. Sorry, Faith. It's okay. There's a Mullum full, full moon ride on March the 6th. We're just trying to sneak a couple of events in. And tonight at the Transitions Film Festival, there's a screening of Within Reach, uh, sponsored by Treadley Magazine, and this is done with Projector Bike. Uh, that's 7.30, and you'll find the details at bikefun.org. And on the weekend coming up, there's a craft beer ride, which is a, a tour of craft beer makers and beer tasting so not a bad thing not and bad that's uh, that the details for that are also up at bikefun.org
and we would especially like to thank Kaz and Anna for coming in and talking us about talking us through this. That's quite all right. Thank you. <laughs> and may you're going to do it again. Uh, I'll do it if there is an interest from a group of girls. I'd, I'd love to Good. support it again. Yeah. Yes. Support my mates. Yeah, and you Get can Kaz pass across the line. Yeah, and, and pass <laughs> on what you know from doing it before to the next Maybe. somebody else. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you've been listening to the Arabug Radio Show on 3CR. 3CR relies on subscribers and l- listeners for its support. So if you'd like... You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.